This is the Reading Aloud Podcast. I'm Marisol Collette. And I'm Adam Collette. And you love us because we love you. We sure do. And let's get to today's conversation. (laughs) So this is the second podcast we've done from me in the bathtub. Yeah, I was going to make the same point. The first one was right after one of the, what, million times we found out we weren't pregnant. It was sad. I cried in the bathtub. It's quite echoey in here. I wonder if that's really picking up. Same last time. We'll see. Good luck to us. Good luck listening. Because this isn't going to change. But I think the last one was too. Uh, This time is different because I'm committed to more rest in Q1. I like both that you're committed to rest and that you used the time frame in quarters, which is like, yeah. Well, because we're talking about finances today. I uh, got it. Yeah. You like what I do. See, I'm yeah. funny. Now that I understand, yeah. 2024, the year that Adam realizes I'm funny. I mean, <laughs> I like how rest in Q1 and somehow that was supposed to be funny because I was going to make the jump that we're talking about finances. I mean, you, here's what makes you the funniest. <laughs> here's what makes you the funniest. You believe so much in your audience that they're going to, like, get the, like, the, like, three chess moves ahead that you're operating on. Oh, oh my gosh. Good. Well, regardless of how we get to funny, I am funny. <laughs> so, I made the bath water too hot, but I'm too stubborn to get out. I'm committed to this whole setup with my mask and all. I mean, we're just in the flow. We're in the flow. In the flow of the water in the bathtub? Yeah, we're in the flow of the podcast. We're like coming in, disconnected, too intense, don't have enough time, bath water's too hot. I mean, nothing's working, so everything's working. So it's uh, a winner, winner, chicken dinner, reading lab podcast is what you're saying. Totally, because it's real life. Real life shit. By the way, did you see the, um, I'm going to be quick about this, but did you see any uh, buzz from the Cat Williams interview last no, night? No, I mean, Cat Williams is my hero. Oh, yeah. He's just a baller. He's a baller. He's a baller. Mm-hmm. He gets on this podcast interview with Shannon Sharp, who's a well-known ex-football player, right? Okay. Black guy. And Cat Williams is on there. And I mean, he is just laying down the smoke on all these, like prominent black men who he's calling out for basically being fake but then just talking about like money and the way he like gives back to the homeless and like then there's lots of posts of like small-time comedians that that were like this is what really moved me like there's a lot of buzz about what he said about like other big time like prominent black performers and ones that then he also likes but like he's just so authentic and the money stuff like he He's like, if you give me, <laughs> he's just cat legs. He's like, if you give me $100,000, which I think is probably his fee or something. He's like, you give me $100,000 to come in your little broke-ass crap city. Mm-hmm. He's like, you better believe I'm giving 10000 of it back to the homeless. Mm-hmm. And there was like, then there started to be all these posts of these like lower comedians being like, I was on stage you know, like with Cat Williams early in my career, they paid him. I didn't get paid. He came over and handed me a thousand dollars. And they're like, and like all these people being like, he just gives back. He's like, cause that's who I am. And he's like, 
he's not concerned about fame. He's not concerned about what people think about him. He tells it like it is. Whether it's true or not, I'm not necessarily even taking sides. I just have hella respect for him. And on the money stuff, I just he's clearly walking the walk. And I, I just, I freaking love Cat Williams. I love Cat Williams, because doesn't he adopt all the babies? I think he has adopted some babies, yeah. <laughs> but and, and, parti- and particularly ones that ha- were born into drug addiction? That's right. I want to look this up more, because he really is, like, he really... Um, and he's also, like... Very a little too gangster right. too. For his, like been arrested for drugs and guns himself. And like he's, ri- very fancy with all his glitz and glam. I, I mean, mean, he loves you know he yeah. It's so good. He's who he is. Yeah. You know, he's un and and you know that's inspirational for me. Like I've been finding a lot of inspiration from people like that these days. So mm-hmm. I, I, I say people like that, but I just mean like people who are so authentically true to who, unapologetically who they are. Yeah. If that was exactly what he said, if you give me a hundred thousand dollars, I'll give 10,000 to the homeless. That's that 10% giving. And we're, we did our financial review. So part of our intention work is to also do a big financial review and a plan for the year. And often the plan goes, we talked about this in intentions, the plan will go completely sideways from the perspective of we make a plan and then it, you know, it's all just in theory and then it adapts, but it gives us a roadmap. And so financially we have a roadmap right now. And last year we planned out all of our trips. And then in the first month of the year, I said, we need to go on an international trip, hurry before Neo turns two, cause it's a free plane ticket and we need to get out of the country. First trip with Neo, first year, first time to Mexico and first, uh, yeah, first plane ride since COVID, since he was born. And, and first 104 degree fever that he had. Ooh, first 104 <laughs> point something degree fever that he had. We were like, he sleeps so well on the plane. Um, because he was really sick. <laughs> really sick. Uh, thank God none of us got sick. But <clears throat> so, you know, we know it'll all shift and change, but we really put down some strong intentions for this year and... One of it is that I really want to, you know, we talked about how we want to max out our savings to the best of our ability. And then I, you know, our giving is at 2% minus some of the other stuff that we... It might be up to like around three if we, like you do giving, I did a little bit of giving that is not in terms of what we give out monthly than over the year of our... It's 2%. Yeah, it's probably maybe closer to 3 when you factor in all the smaller things, but like... No, yeah, the monthly is 2%, and then we individually will give to different causes as they come up. Right. So it equates to about 3%. That's not 10%. That's not how I was taught. That's not what Cat Williams is talking about. That's right. And, you know, one of the... The things about having a lot of money is that there you can make those kinds of decisions easier. Yep. And we make other decisions. So we're reorienting, I think, a little bit to this giving. Now, we didn't make a plan, so I have a feeling this one's not going to come in as strongly as some of our other plans. But last year, we set a savings goal. And what what do you think? Like, we, we, we did what, three, 4,000 more than we were planning to save? So in 22, we saved, I don't know the percentage, but it was like, you know, we saved, we had our dollar figure of what we contributed towards 
our retirement savings, not like our media, but our retirement. We set a goal above that that was, you know, not like it was a, it was it was just a couple of percentage points higher. Um, and then last year, I mean, we surpassed that we by it. a couple, you know, several thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was That's super all, successful. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, super proud of us. So part of it is that we want to try to hit that number and even a, a little bit more because. Yeah, that would be double what we had set in 2022. It would be almost double, almost double what we set in 2022 if we could if we could get get to if well, whatever. That's exciting. Now it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting because you have to have a clear path. You have to like we can set the goal and put the numbers on paper. Yeah. But we didn't have this clear path last year as to you know, we weren't expecting that to work out that way. What did we decide when did I start doing automatic contributions from my business? Mm, two or three years ago. Oh, really? That long ago? Okay. Yeah, I think at least two years ago. Have I upped it at all, or has it been the same? I think it's been pretty much the same. Okay. I think it was last year, the year before fully. I don't know if you started in, in 21, but it was definitely those two years. We could find out, but uh-huh. yeah. That was a big deal because after leaving my federal job where I was just saving, you know, they matched 5%. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I'm pretty sure I was giving 8 or 10%. So that's 15%. Yeah. That's insanely good. Yeah. And then put it in risky, what is, what is High it? High risk. Trading? What is it? Stocks? You're investing in a fund, your 401k. Yeah. Well, you know, you could have the S and the C and the this and the that. Yeah, they're different types. But yeah. yeah. So I put, you know, 50% in the highest risk and 25% in the two next down. Mm-hmm. And that was what was recommended to me for my age since overall it was going to be increasing. Left my job in 2015 and had a slow start in the beginning because of cancer and health issues. And then... It took a long time for me to do that auto draft, but of course I did it. And then, you know, my income is now what my income is minus the auto draft into our savings. It's just like one of those things like I just. Oh, it feels like saving that type of saving feels so impossible until you start. And and, and this, let's just be clear. Same with giving. Mm -hmm. It feels so unachievable until you start doing it. And then all of a sudden you do it and then you normalize to it and you... Yeah, you readjust the rest of your budget. You, you readjust and you also get benefits that you never realized. Yeah. You know, I had somebody see our giving statement one year. It was sitting out on the table and she was like, wow, you give that much? And that was, I think, before we were... I think that was when we were giving like 1%. It was... We've increased since then one or one and a half percent and I just I you know and here we are hoping to give 10 percent I mean imagine imagine what we could do if we gave 10 percent oh my gosh but it's interesting because you know I think about this a little bit and this is this is a, a little bit of a devil's advocate because this isn't the main point and I recognize that but you know we take our meager income and then we put 10 percent of it into giving and you know I'm looking at organizations that are asking and aid organizations, first responding folks, you know, different things that like, it's kind of like, it's kind of like recycling. Oh, it's my job to recycle. It's my job to support 
the war, you know, to give aid to people in Gaza. You know, it's it's interesting, right? And and it's not about that. Giving is about letting go. It's about letting go of what you may. It's definitely about privilege. I see giving as recognizing the the intersectionality and interconnectedness of things mm-hmm. and recognizing that I can't do it all. Um, but there are things in which I particularly as a person care about a lot and that's okay. You know, like I come from, you know, rural Appalachia in Kentucky. I can't be, I don't live in necessarily like rural Appalachia anymore and in those communities, but I want to give to efforts that direct, that I know are directly supporting them because it's close to my heart. And I, I always encourage people to give like that, like, you know, give the stuff you care about because there's other people that care about other things and they should be giving to that. And and I can't go and work in rural Appalachia, but I can give money there and make an impact. Right. I think the point I was making is, so it's our job to take our meager income. And again, we're privileged. So our meager income is somebody's fortune. But, you know, we're middle class. So, you know, as a middle class person, to take part of that, you know, and we're using what we have to pay for, you know, we aren't, we aren't doing super extravagant things, although some people, again, might disagree, but we're supposed to then put it towards stuff. But again, I think it's, I think what I'm saying is it's more about, like you said, the interconnectedness. So it connects you back to the people and places and things that you love. And it says, I'm here, like, I'm a part of this too. Right. And it, and it, and it helps heal and strengthen your relationship with money. You know, I think one of the things that when we start talking money, it is really important to be numbers driven because money is about numbers and, you know, compounding interest and all this, all these miracles of saving money is also energy. And there's a lot of writing and there's a lot of amazing wisdom on this but like at the end of the day money is also energy and you have a relationship with money and that impacts how it comes and how you interact with it and one of the i think the biggest benefits of giving and giving the things that you care about is it strengthens in whatever way and begins to enhance your relationship and your energetic interaction with money And I also think that when you're putting money towards a cause, you're giving energy to the support of that cause. That's right. So thinking of it, because, you know, we're, we are people who believe in foundation and doing footwork, but we do not believe that we can manifest things just by thinking about it or even praying about it completely. We have to do footwork. And so, you know, money is energy is how it flows to and from. But I mean, as white folks, we hold a lot of the energetic power around money. So giving it away is really important. And I think the idea that we would stretch ourselves beyond this 2% that we have finally adjusted to is part of getting uncomfortable and out of our feeling of like, oh, we only have enough or, you know, to recognize we have more than enough to give more than enough to give. So do you think we should increase it to 3%? What difference would that make each month? Yeah, we could definitely do one more percent. Oh, then done. Done. We could definitely do one more percent for sure. Okay. Well, I want to do that. And that, that doesn't include those extraneous things. That's the monthly giving. Can we do that? Yeah. I mean, our monthly budget's not that big. So 1% is going to be under a hundred bucks a month. And then we talked about 
you know, we've, we've always talked about having enough to afford us if something were to happen to us, one or both of us that we could get through, what is it supposed to be, six months, three months or six months? Um, well, they say, I mean, I think three is, three minimum. is a general minimum. Yeah. Three months of your monthly, monthly income. So then we've always been, we've always strived to have that. And then we, oh, I was like, what happens if one of us doesn't have a job anymore? And we played out this scenario of all the things we would let go of. Some of it would be saving. Some of it would be giving. You would cut out a couple other places that I was really impressed that you were like, well, we wouldn't do this, this, or this. Subscriptions. So one of us doesn't have a job and we can't watch TV. I think that makes sense. <laughs> I think that makes sense. Well, you know, you start looking at areas where we do this at work when we create our budget. We create like, um, we create fixed costs, which are costs that you like. And then we have this section called like nearly fixed costs, which is like stuff that we really like like are you talking about like programs that help you all function but if you went manual you could survive or is yeah, it like I mean, netflix if, for yeah that? if 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 really the all funding fell out the bottom what would we cut without stopping to pay people you know and like i mean those are the things like you know so you just you have there's these layers but like yeah subscriptions spotify netflix we don't like we pay for those and we, we enjoy that and it brings enough benefit for us to to in turn reflect the amount that we pay every year. But over a year, it's a couple hundred dollars that we pay in subscriptions over the course of the year, maybe close to a thousand bucks that we pay in subscriptions. And so... But you're including gym, Peloton, thousand. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm not... If I include gym, then it's, then it's more, probably more like 1500 um, what what are we paying for? How much do you pay for Spotify? Like 11, 12 bucks. And then Hulu's 11 or something? Or down yeah, but to it's, eight? It's, it's, if it's 150 a month, then, you know, over 12 months, that's, you know. Yeah. You know, I'm always at the beginning of the year inspired to look at it and say, what feels essential? What feels essential? And yeah, but we always, we often always talk about how can we get our food budget down? Do you think we would have to eat, you know, we eat some, we eat mostly organic vegetables and fruits and then sometimes meat if we can. Do you think we'd have to get rid of that? Not necessarily. I think the thing with the food budget is it's mainly about time because we, it's like this, if you think about it like a, like an X and a Y axis. There's like one axis is like health and quality of food. And then the other is like time. And I think a, a, a factor in that is, you know, if we take more time to think, prepare, prep, you know, into, then our cost goes down. But the less time we take and the higher quality food we eat, the higher it goes up because you're, you create a little bit more waste, you're buying things and not using it all, you know, like, but yet we live really busy lives. So I've come to determine like, and of course, people are going to think about inflation when they think about food costs. And that definitely factored in this past year. I mean, mean, what the what? It got crazy. Is it going to get worse? Is it going to go down? I mean, I think it's cooling down now, but I think generally prices are just what they are now, you know? I mean, it's so expensive for groceries. So that had a big factor that we don't necessarily control. But I guess I'm just saying, like, it's it's an opportunity cost. Like, 
how much more time do we put into and that's actually where the where the food saving is right are, like you, a, are you prepping are you are you buying dried black beans and soaking them and then you know and then planning out meals that include or that using you the, know if we only use half the box of the uh bone broth would we use the other half exactly and stuff like that and like how are we buying ingredients you know it's just that all that takes thought and time, which sometimes we have time for, but we don't always prioritize. And when we don't, we end up doing shops that are expensive, but I that actually, don't provide as many meals. I actually hadn't heard you say it like that. So that inspires me to go to that top that top shelf of our fridge and look at all of those what are they, accessories. What are they called? Accoutrement? What's it called? Sauces. Sauces. No, what are those called? Condiments. Condiments. <laughs> All those condiments and All stuff. All those condiments. All the condiments and stuff. And review them and make a meal out of it. But not have to buy expensive just, other just things. Just a meal out of straight condiments. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Jelly, Worcestershire sauce. A glob of condiments. Yeah, I'm into it. We're going to... Well, I think, I think too, like... I liked the bean soak. That was yeah. helpful. I think the thing is, is like... Because here's the thing is, you know, there's a couple different ways you look at it. You could plan longer out and do bigger shops, which I'm in the air of whether, like... Or you could do smaller shops, like one to two to max three day shops and then go every three days but then you're easily planned but you need to like whittle down things you know it's like i'm a fan of somewhere in the middle because i do not like going to the grocery store on the fly i don't think that's time efficient energy efficient right you do time is money too yeah you know you do it and i'm usually the one that's like i don't have the energy for that yeah so, okay, so what else What else do we want to wrap up with uh, with our financial goals? Well, I just, I think, you know, what I'd say is that, um, I mean, everybody has their own set of financial constraints and opportunities. And what's been key for us is becoming clear on what our financial values are. And there are, there are things that we value that we invest in and then there are things that we don't value that we also invest in so i think there's a philosophy there of have the nice things of things that you really care about other things you don't necessarily have to like skimp it's okay go cheap go cheaper you know what's you, the, what's one that we invest in that we don't care about for so for one example it's like we like to have a nice working car but like we oh, don't need yeah. a fancy car you know you don't need a fancy car <laughs> But well, yeah, I, I don't need a fancy car. Right. Like, I don't care about what car I drive necessarily. Yeah, you know, that's I want, a hard one. Yeah, yeah. Um, For you, me, yeah. So yeah. yeah, meaning like yeah, right. We might invest in trying to buy another car. Right. I mean, at the grocery store, like I don't. I go cheap on things like I'll go cheap on things like pasta. I don't like. Yes, I understand. Hand rolled pasta is like. Better. Tastes much better, but like it's not a priority for me. So right. like I don't That's do that. Something but like it's a it's a priority for me to have organic vegetables, which you know maybe somebody has a carbon calculation on the difference between that. But whatever, I I think things like we do care about like we care about travel, we care about um, you know we care about uh we we enjoy our treats or like fancy dinners out and so we spend money on that some people don't want to spend money on that and they spend money in other places like jewelry or something like mm -hmm. that and um, everything on this list are things i care about yeah well 
that, then that becomes difficult when yeah. you want the best of everything all the time then that's hard to match i know that you need a big chunk of time in order to replace the handles on our one car how can i give you that time give uh, it to you when can yeah, i give it to you g- give it to me i mean i you got to say a saturday and you got to say i you know, i got you, neo the whole time yeah okay yeah. cool yeah. Okay. And I can't, yeah. Yeah, it can't be interrupted. Right. Yeah. Okay. Handles on the car. That's right. going to be a good one. Okay. I love you. Love you too. I, I'm proud of us. Thanks. Yeah, me too. Me too. Thanks, y'all, for listening and participating. We always have a great time with you. And if you enjoy the podcast, please go online and rate, review, share this with your friends. This is the way that we build this community. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.